and welcome back to another episode of the Real Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Real Conversations is a podcast for those dedicated to doing hard things and living a meaningful life. Today, back on the podcast is Kieran O'Brien. Kieran, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Jacob. Yeah. It's been almost exactly a year since you were last on, and you have done a lot in the last year. Um, and we can, we'll, we'll dive into that, but where I'd like to kind of start is what we were just talking about beforehand. You have chosen an unconventional route, which I often say is the most fun route to take. And in doing so, you opted to, to skip college and to move halfway across the country, and you've started different businesses, and you actually just sold one of your businesses. And so I would just kind of love to dive into why did that fit you? Why was that the right move in your head? Because I think a lot of people listening know they want to get into business. My listeners are college age or maybe graduating high school, and they know they want to do more, but they don't know where to start or what to do with that energy they have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the last time I came on your podcast was like right after I had just sold media kits. So it was kind of an interesting point mm -hmm. in, in my life and my career. Um, but throwing it back even further, um, I, I think I've always just wanted to like buck the trend and kind of take an unconventional path. I've, I've always been a bit of an outlier in that way. I've always kind of looked at things. I've looked at the status quo and tried to tried to understand, well, how can I do things a little bit differently? And I think that really started showing even like when I was in school as a kid, you know, I would always try to find like a creative different way to like, you know, do the class project or, you know, some creative thing that I could do, um, you know, outside of school and and get more involved in like extracurricular stuff and, you know, sports and things like that was, was always what I was more interested in than, um, you know, the kind of the traditional path, so to speak. So I'd always been a little bit of an outlier in that way. And I think I carried that into uh, my adult life. And when I got to, you know, the end of high school, it was kind of like, well, you're either, I either have to go to college uh, or I have to go to the military or I have to just kind of figure it out on my own and, um, and make my own living. And so um, I chose the third option um, and I tried to just go figure it out. You know, I, I tinkered with a lot of different stuff. I started a bunch of different little side hustles and different businesses over the years and kind of figured out what I was good at. And um, once I found something that I felt like I was I was decent at, I decided to kind of pour my heart and soul into it and and become really good at it. And so that uh, for me, that was sales and marketing and and building companies. Um, but you know, for for other people, it, you know, it could be anything. And that and that's one thing that I don't love about um, this kind of hustle culture that we have on social media these days is that you know a lot of people aren't meant to be entrepreneurs. A lot of people aren't meant to be business owners. They're meant to be athletes. They're meant to be musicians. They're meant to be the number two at a company or the number three at a company. Um, and that's totally fine. And so I um, I don't really fully subscribe to the whole, like, you have to go out and be an entrepreneur and own your own business or you're a failure. There, there's a lot of ways to be successful in life. And um, this just happens to be the path that I chose. And so um, sorry to get on my soapbox there, but we'll, uh, we can dive into that if you want to. No, you're good. I agree with that. I think I often talk about the unconventional route. And when you do something like that, like you're out of high school taking this different route than everyone else's, are you bulletproof or are you feeling the social peer pressure of all of your friends going off to college and people thinking, well, you know, what is Kieran doing? Like what's going on there? Yes and no. Okay. So I, I'll say that I, I've never really felt peer pressure. I've always, I, I think that's one thing that, um, that I, that I think has helped me a lot in life. 
Um, I don't really think about what other people are thinking about me. Um, but I am also my own biggest critic, right? So certainly I second guessed myself and I was always trying to figure out if what I was doing was the right thing, the right path. Um, I would second guess my decisions to not go to college. I would second guess my decision to start a business, et cetera. Um, but I would say that for the most part, it wasn't really due to outside pressure from other people. It was just due to holding myself to the to the highest standard possible. Okay. No, I, I got you there. So you go out to Arizona and you start doing well, and then you start media kits with your co-founder, Casey. And mm-hmm. we kind of talked through that progression last time. You ended up selling it. Congratulations again. And you talked last time about, you know, something on my bucket list. I, I took care of this first business that I wanted to sell. And now I want to do something more in the physical realm, which was you wanted to do an Ironman 70.3. And so we mm-hmm. started talking about that on the podcast. And then I just saw, I think maybe a couple months ago, could be a couple weeks ago, you actually went out and completed that. And so I wanted to talk about like what went into that and making the time for that and just why that was important for you. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting experience. So I'd never been, I'd never done any sort of endurance competition ever. Um, I grew up as a multi-sport athlete. I played ice hockey and I was a swimmer and I played lacrosse and I I played a bunch of sports growing up. So I've always been an athlete, I guess, at heart, Um, but I'd never been a runner. I'd never been, um, I'd never been on a bicycle. Like swimming was, was my strongest piece, um, which is kind of backwards. Like most triathletes, they start as a runner, they start as a a cyclist and swimming is usually like the weakest point. So swimming was like the most natural thing for me. And then, um, running was was okay. And bicycling and or cycling was probably the hardest one for me to learn. Um, and so honestly, I had just always, you know, growing up, my dad would be watching the Kona, um, triathlons on, on TV. My dad was a triathlete actually, and a runner. He ran a bunch of marathons and he did an Ironman, a full Ironman. Um, and so I kind of grew up, um, hearing from him about that. I just never really thought it was interesting as a kid. And so, you know, then being an adult, I think right around the time that we did our podcast, I had absolutely no responsibilities in my life at that point. It was like, it was like from one day to the next, it was pretty crazy. It was basically like I was running a company. I had employees, I had investors, I had payroll, I had uh, customers, I had, um, you know, I had an apartment and, and, you know, car payments and I, all, all this crap, all this, all this material, all these material possessions and all these responsibilities in my day-to-day life, um, which I was very thankful for. Uh, but I decided um, at the end of 2022, um, when I sold media kits to get rid of all that, I sold all my cars. I got, I moved out of my apartment. I threw everything into a storage unit and I decided to move to Southeast Asia with two of my best friends um, to, to actually to, to, you know, kind of start my next business. Um, and I think you and I did the podcast like right before uh, mm-hmm. I did that, but it was kind of this, like this life reset. And I was living in Indonesia for about six months. Um, and it was when I was living there that I was kind of asking myself, I I'd actually started running a little bit more when I was there. Um, and I was doing a lot more kind of like, um, hit workouts and more, you know, cardio intensive workouts when I was living overseas. And I, I was like, you know what? I'd always wanted to do some sort of endurance race. And, you know, keep in mind up until this point, I hadn't, I hadn't even done a 5k. I'd never done a 5k. I'd never done a 10k. I'd never done a half marathon. I'd never done a normal sprint triathlon. I'd done nothing. And I was just like, you know what, let me just do an Ironman. And at this point, you know, I had very limited knowledge on like that world. I thought an Ironman was a full marathon, a hundred mile bike, like the whole, the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And then I start, I go on the Ironman website. I'm like looking through it. I'm like, oh, you could do a half Ironman. It's, uh, it's called a 70.3. Let me just do one of these. That seems way easier. Um, and so I signed up, I was living in Indonesia. I signed up, I paid for the, I paid the deposit and, uh, I just put it on my calendar. And that's one thing that, um, Jesse Itzler talks about. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a few different guys that I, that I follow in kind of like the endurance athlete space. One of them who's actually here in Arizona, um, who's been a mentor of mine and who has been kind of a big inspiration of mine is, uh, Rick Steele. Um, and he's, he's in that whole crowd friends with Jesse mm-hmm. Itzler and those guys. And so I'd met Rick a few times here in Arizona. I'd seen him do all these crazy, he did like seven continent, uh, marathon in seven days, all that kind of crazy stuff. And so, um, I just decided I wanted to go for it. And so signed up for it, started training in Indonesia. And, um, I just realized that I had so much time on my hands. I didn't really have any responsibilities or anyone I, that I needed to answer to at that time. Um, that I could just kind of pour all my time and effort into training for it. Whenever I sign up for an ultra marathon, that's been kind of my uh, choice of, of event so far, at least. But whenever you pay that deposit and you put it on the calendar, it's like, okay, that's real. I've invested the money into this. Like, I got to figure it out one way or another. And I typically get into the habit of scheduling it too early because I'm too optimistic of, oh, I'll figure it out and just show up on race day and get it taken care of. Do you have aspirations of doing a full Ironman or any other ultra events now? Does that kind of you know, gets you interested in it? I do. You know, it's funny, I, as I'm doing this podcast, I've actually, I've had the Ironman site pulled up on my computer for for a couple of weeks now. I'm kind of trying to figure out which event that I want to sign up for, but I, I do plan on doing a full. Um, and so, you know, actually what's interesting is I think the first time I really said out loud in public that I wanted to do a half was actually on your podcast. Nice. Um, and then a couple months later I pulled the trigger and signed up for it. So maybe, maybe I'll follow a similar, um, process here. This Crazy time. things happen on this podcast, man. I think you got to do it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Maybe this is my sign to, to, to just buck up and, and get on the calendar. So I think that's, you know, quick sidebar, like that's one of the most powerful things. If you're thinking about doing something, whether it's an endurance race or starting a business or like whatever it is, doing something to make it feel real, putting it on your calendar, giving yourself a deadline, a due date. Um, I think that's the most powerful thing and getting other people involved, saying it in public is another big thing. Like when I said on our last podcast that I was going to do a half Ironman, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what I was actually truly saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said it in public. I said it in a place where, you know, there's hundreds or thousands of people listening to it. I can't, you know, I can't revoke that. You know, if I didn't do it, everyone would have known. Everyone would be like, oh, didn't didn't you say you were going to do an Ironman? And then, you know, that was actually one of the things the night before. I was terrified to do this race. I was so nervous. I did not think I could finish it. I had no point of reference again, because I'd never done any sort of endurance race at all. So the night before I was like, I was contemplating not going to it. I was like, man, do I really need to show up? Do I I need to wake up at 345 tomorrow? And and like, am I actually doing this? Am I crazy? and what really like got me to to get up that morning and go and and finish the race was genuinely just the thought of other people who I had told that I was going to do it coming up to me the next day and saying, "Hey, how was your race?" and me saying, "Oh, I I chickened out. I didn't do it. I didn't show up." Like that was the most terrifying thing out of ever. It wasn't drowning, it wasn't crashing on my bike. It was none of that. It was it was, "Hey, Kieran, how was your race?" Uh, I chickened out. I didn't do it. That was the most terrifying thing to me. Yeah, it's about being a man, a man of integrity, you know, keeping your word. Yeah. Did you sleep at all the night before your race? 
I actually did. I went to bed at like 7 p.m. Really? I just passed out. It took me, it took me an hour or two to like, I was kind of laying in bed. Mm-hmm. Just like my, my mind was racing, but eventually I passed out. I think I got like a solid seven, eight hours of sleep. I've um, never slept more than like three hours before an ultra. Yeah. I'm always just sweating, dude. Yeah. But going back to you talking about like saying what you're going to do online or in public to people that are going to hold you accountable. It's so scary, but I think it's so important. Um, my co-founder and, and best friend, John Peterson, and I did an episode a couple weeks ago with our 2024 goals. We started this in 2023. It's super uncomfortable, but we go through and we list out what our goals are. And this year, we're actually opening up a business. So we talked about what that was going to be and what we were hoping to do. And I mean, everything's on the line. And so I've decided 2024 is going to be my year of building in public. And it's not whether or not it's going to be a success, but rather people can learn from you sharing your things online and take away from maybe your failures or your learning lessons. And that can create a huge amount of upside for other people. And so like that accountability of having to put stuff online is so scary, but I think it is one of the greatest growth hacks, like just something that most people wouldn't think about doing, but I think it's a huge growth hack. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, getting other people, even, even if it's not, even if you don't put it online, just telling your friends and family that you're going to do something like that is one of the biggest motivators. I think if you're, if you just have other people who are kind of expecting a certain thing from you. Um, and if you don't do it, you know, they're going to be disappointed. Like that's one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful forces to, to get you to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I truly believe that. So that's why I always like to call my shot, um, whether it's business or, you know, something physical, uh, or, or an event that I'm signing up for, I always like to call my shot because I think it's so powerful and it, it also helps you stay aligned with, what you're working towards, right? Because if you can refer back to yourself from six months ago, um, in those moments where you're not feeling, you know, kind of those dark moments, you're feeling unsure about it, you're second guessing yourself, whatever it might be, if you can refer back to, you know, who you were six months ago, when you originally made that decision, what forced you to sign up for it? You know, what, what were kind of the, the forces in your life that were, were pushing you to do that? you can get yourself back into that same mindset that you were in when you signed up for that that race or when you decided to start that business that's one of the most powerful things because it's really easy to get lost in the day to day to get lost in you know the um the the really sucky parts of training for these types of things um you kind of have to be able to um bring yourself back to that mindset that you were in when you first signed up for it what was your training regimen like for that half yeah so um it was uh it, it it definitely could have been a little bit more structured um i didn't even i didn't even get a bike until about two and a half three months out oh, um, i was i was doing like uh just indoor like in my gym like mm-hmm. you know, uh standing bicycles um but yeah i was uh i was running probably 15 to 20 miles a week like for the you know the first few months after I signed, I signed up about 10 months out. So first three, four months, I was running like 10, 15, 20 miles a week, kind of like getting up to, uh, to that higher mileage stuff. Again, I had no baseline. I was not a runner. I had, I like literally the farthest I had run in the, in the previous five years was like a mile. Mm-hmm. Right. So going out and doing like a three mile run was like, ho- Holy crap. That was, that was crazy. Um, so i I bought the running shoes. I went out. I was doing like you know a couple miles, three miles, five miles. Um, the the longest 
the longest run I did in training was probably four weeks out from race day. And I did a 15 mile, okay. uh, uh, kind of like a training race or training, uh, exercise. And then I did a lot of, um, did a lot of transition practice too. So I'd go out, I'd run five miles. I'd have my bike, um, just in the back of my car. I'd come back, swap my shoes on and then take the bike out and go hit like a 10 mile bike. Um, so for triathlon specifically, like transition is, is probably the most important thing to train because you don't, you don't realize on race day, all the different factors, like, you know, you get out of the water, you, you run over to your bike and you've got grass all over your feet mm -hmm. and, you know, you got to like wipe off the grass before you can put your socks on. And then if your socks are wet, you start chafing and it's like all the things you don't think about. Right. So practicing transitions was, was something that I tried to focus on a lot. I would probably swim three days a week, um, leading up to it. I think at my peak, I would swim five days a week, um, which was maybe, a, maybe two months out. I was swimming five days a week in the mornings and then. Um, really like the 90 days leading up to the race is when I started doing, um, two a days. So five days a week, two a days. And then I would, I would take two full rest days where I would do nothing. Um, and so it would look something like wake up in the morning, swim, um, you know, get through my work day. And then in the evening I'd go out for a bike ride or a run or, or both and practice transition. Um, so that was kind of my, my training routine, um, bike. I would usually do like 20 to 30 miles, um, on the bike. And then, um, swimming, I would do like a mile, mile and a half, um, in, uh, in, in training. So that was kind of my split. Um, probably wasn't the most optimal way to do it. I, I really had no idea what I was doing. I was kind of just going with the flow, like whatever felt right, whatever I felt like my body was able to accomplish that day. Um, but I, I know that if, if I do another one, I'll, I'll have to get more regimented with my training. And I, I also didn't have a training partner and I didn't have a coach. So I was doing it all based on like YouTube videos mm -hmm. and just like, you know, self-taught. So it's, it's really hard to keep yourself motivated when you don't have a training partner that's, uh, that's there with you. So, yeah, it's grueling. Um, yeah. Were you doing any weightlifting or was it solely just focused on Ironman prep? Yeah. So I was weightlifting, um, cause weightlifting is like what I really love to do. Um, and I was weightlifting probably in the beginning, I was still lifting like five days a week. Like I normally do. I'd say six months out from the race, I started like weaning back a little bit. I maybe went down to like three days a week. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say like two months out from race day, I stopped lifting entirely. And I was just focused on my, on my Ironman split. So I lost like a, like a solid, like 10, 12 pounds, um, leading up to the race. But, um, I, I mean, I needed to be a little bit lighter anyway, so I could, uh, I could feel lighter on my feet. So I, I kind of did that intentionally. I, I stopped lifting, um, number one, just to, to lose a little bit of weight. And then also, um, so that I, so that I wasn't, uh, risking injury before the race. Yeah. That would be terrible to get right up to the race day, have all of the work done and then hurt yourself lifting. I exactly. Imagine. So yeah, exactly. After wrapping up a, a half Ironman, how intimidating is a full Ironman now? Like you said off the bat, maybe I'll just go sign up for an Ironman. Then you found that there was a half. You're like, okay, I'll start there. Like having the knowledge that you do now of what a half takes, how intimidating is the full? Not at all. That's good. Um, I, I can honestly say that. I remember I was, I was probably on like mile 40 of the bike um, during my half. And I was, I was biking next to one of my buddies that had signed up for the race as well. Um, and I was looking over at him, I was like eating some gummies and I was like way ahead of my, my pace. And, um, 
I just looked over at him and I like I looked down at my watch. My heart rate was like 135. I'm like cruising. I'm going like 20, <laughs> 20 miles an hour on the bike. My target pace was was 17 miles an hour. And I'm I look over at him. I'm like, does this feel easier than you thought it would be to, to you? I'm like, this I feel great. Like this feels way easier than I thought. Um, and so, you know, I beat my target time by a significant amount too. And so what I realized, man, is, you know, everyone says it, but until you actually experience it for yourself, you don't really understand that what this saying means, but race day is the easy part. Like the race itself, it should feel easy because if it feels easy, that means you did what you needed to do in training. Mm -hmm. Right. And so race day genuinely felt easy for me. And so I know that, um, I know that if I were to sign up for a full, as long as I follow my training regimen and as long as I stay disciplined in my training, I know that the full would be a piece of cake and I would, I'd be able to, to knock it out and hopefully have no issues. So, um, there's always the unknown. There's always something, you know, you show up, you have, you're having a bad day, you're, um, you're cramping real bad, or, you know, you, you, uh, you do something wrong on the nutrition side or, or God forbid you crash or something. Mm -hmm. There's always those X factors. But for the most part, I think if I were to, if I were to commit to the full, do a proper training um, regimen and then show up on race day, I think I'd be good to go. I think you're silly planning it out in your head right now. I think that's what's happened behind <laughs> the doors. Probably, yeah. That's that's kind of how my brain works, I think so. No, I love that. I think it's so cool that you came on last year. You didn't know, if, you, you felt like you could do the half, but you were maybe a little bit intimidated. And now you're sitting here saying, I can do the full, just you know, pending nothing, going terribly wrong. I can definitely do a full. I think that's such a yeah. cool like, full circle to come around on. Um, 100%, man. I think one thing that it's important to note is like, you know, a lot of people, if they're, if they're listening to this, like, oh, well, like he sold his company and had like nothing to do every day and like, you know, must be nice. I want to like address that quickly because um, I launched a new company yeah. in the middle of my Ironman training. And if any of you out there, uh, Jacob, you included, when you launch a new company, it's like the first six, eight months after launching a new business is the hardest like six to eight months. It's when the business demands the most of your time, the most most of your focus, most of your energy needs to be going towards that new business because it could so easily fall apart. It could so easily fail. And so um, I signed up for the Ironman in, let's say, I think February or late January of, of 2023. Um, and I started the business in um, May. And so the Ironman was in October. <laughs> and so I was like in the thick of it, in the middle of my Ironman training to the point where I actually, I neglected training for a month or two, you know, when we were starting the business and I, I barely trained all during, during that like month, two months from like May to June le leading up to the race. I wasn't training pretty much at all because I was so, the, the business needed me so much that I, I couldn't even think about a, a training regimen that I had to follow. And so I really fell off of my training. Um, when I was, when I started that new business. And so I think that's important to note because, you know, it's never going to be a perfect time. It's never going to be the right time. You're never going to have like the perfect optimal co conditions to do any of these types of like extreme, um, you know, physical feats. You always kind of have to embrace it and let it push you in other aspects of life. What I discovered with the Ironman, I thought my preconceived notion when I signed up for the Ironman was, oh, I've got all the time in the world right now. This is when I should sign up and train for it. And then I, I went and started a business for some crazy reason. Um, and I was like, oh, you know what? Like uh, the, you know, the, the business is going to take my focus away. Like the Ironman is a distraction. Like I, I, why did I sign up for this? This is stupid. And then I realized 
the discipline and the focus and the and the the structure that training for this Ironman is providing in my day-to-day life is actually helping me stay more focused and stay more disciplined on what I'm doing in my business on a day-to-day basis. And I discovered that too, you know, with 75 hard. And I think training for an Ironman is just kind of like that on steroids. It's like when you have discipline and structure in your day-to-day, that is so easily applied from training your your body physically over to working on your business. And I think that's the most important takeaway that I had. It, it's definitely universal and it does create that environment like you're saying. Like I'm I'm coming, I'm in a period right now where I have time for work and work out and go to bed. And I guess the podcast too. And people yeah. are saying, you know, that, that kind of sucks. And I'm like, yeah, I can see how it sucks. But it also cuts out all of the BS, like all of the areas that I could be spending time, but I'm not getting anything from it. And I think that's kind of what you saw too, is like you have two options. If you're going to go out and you want to actually do this half Ironman, you want to do it right, then you need to train for that and you can do and you can do your business. You don't really have time for much else. Like it forces you to focus and to be disciplined in your schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's, that That was literally my life, man. Like the, the, the three months leading up to the race, it was like, wake up, work out, work, work out again, eat, sleep, do it again the next day. And that's seven days a week. Like Ironman training doesn't, doesn't recognize weekends. Neither does a startup. Startup doesn't recognize weekends either. <laughs> you're, you're going seven days a week, man. Just that's, that's the rotation. Yeah. Well, here we are recording on a Sunday, which I appreciate you hopping on, but it's like yeah. every day is available, man. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm my my week is too busy. I I, I wish I had an hour to do a, a fun podcast, but it's like it's mm-hmm. just crazy. So, um, yeah, man. I think I think if anybody out there is listening, sign up for an endurance event. Doesn't matter if it's if it's your local five k or if it's an ultra marathon like Jacob, which I I still think that's crazy. Maybe I, maybe I'll think that's more normal one day, but you will. Um, but uh, but yeah, man. I think it's one of the best things you can do for for your mental state and for your discipline. Absolutely. And as we start to get closer to wrapping up, I would love to dive into, you launched a new business like you talked about. You just came off a previous exit and you've got some heavy hitter investors with Sahil Bloom and um, and some other folks. I would love to talk about like, why did you choose to go into a new business, a startup again, that's going to take up all of your time while you're doing this Ironman prep instead of coasting for a bit and I don't have any insight onto the exit, but I'm assuming you could have had some time to just kind of chill. Yeah. Well, I did. I think that's the important. I took a few months. I moved to Indonesia and like, mm-hmm. I did, I did chill for a little while. Um, so that's important to note, but dude, I, I, when I sold media kids, I was 22 years old. Like I still got all the energy in me. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I decided to start a new, a new business for the same reason that I signed up for the Ironman. It's because I have this insatiable appetite for, for challenge and for like structure and, and, like I really love to do hard things. And I realized that about myself. I didn't, I didn't always know that about myself, but I realized that um, the challenge and, and discipline are things that I really enjoy um, in my day to day. And so I, I, I do truly feel like the, the reason that I signed up for the Ironman and the reason that I decided to start a new business um, relatively quickly after selling my last one was for kind of the same mental reasons is that I love the challenge. I love the thrill um, and those are the things that, um, that bring me the most, the most happiness, you know, when it's all said and done is, is knowing that I, I decided to do something that was challenging, that was difficult and I overcame it and I, and I accomplished it. Do you notice that feeling of progress? Like for me, noticing that I'm improving, whether it's running or in a business or whatever it may be, like, it feels so good to me, that feeling of progress. 
Yeah. Well, 100%, man. It's addicting, right? And, like I remember when I, uh, when I did my first 10 mile long run when I was um, training for the half, and I was like, damn, you know, like I used to think that running like two, three miles was crazy when I first started training. And I'm like, I just did 10 miles. That's, that's pretty wild. And then finishing, like crossing the finish line at the half, I was like, wow, like I really just did that. And then like, you know, uh, raising around a funding or hiring your first employee or crossing a big revenue milestone or doing your first million dollars in sales. He's like, like, damn, like that is the coolest feeling ever. It's legit. Um, so it's, it's really addicting, man. Those like a lot of people chase dopamine in in the, you know, kind of the artificial ways, social media, you know, crappy food, you know, entertainment, whatever. I think you can find the same, if not even better dopamine hits from, from accomplishment. And I think that that, uh, that's even more addicting in in my opinion. Are you an ice bath or a sauna guy at all? Yeah, I'm a big sauna guy. I do the ice baths every now and then. I was doing lower body only ice baths every day um, when I was uh, when I was training for the Ironman. So I'd get in like up to my waist, and I would chill in there for like ten minutes, and then I'd go in upper body for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that specifically for leg recovery during what, when running, um, just getting in for an extended period of time with just your legs was was something that I I found a lot of success with. Well, I, I was going to liken what you were saying about doing difficult things in a non-artificial way for for dopamine release to an ice bath because yeah. I don't know about you, but I typically don't want to get into an ice bath. But once I do and I get out, that feeling of accomplishment and the dopamine rush, it's always crazy because the amount that you don't want to do it is directly correlated to how good you feel afterwards. And I think that's true for doing an Ironman or doing things in business or just life in general. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Cool. Well, Kieran, I, I want to ask too before we hop off, how are things going with your new business? Talk about that a little bit. It's Shop Genie. I was looking at it real quick, but I'd love for you to kind of give the, the overview and, and how things are going there. Yeah, man. Shop Genie is a, a marketing and scheduling platform for automotive repair shops. Um, and so, yeah, we work with a little over 600 of them now. Um, it's been a rocket ship. It's been really, it's been really, really good. Um, I was able to take all the learning lessons and things that I uh, did well. And also the things that I didn't do well at my last couple businesses and apply them to this one. We've got an awesome team. Uh, we've got some really awesome people involved. We've got some amazing customers. Um, and it's just, it's really fun. Like I, I'm having more fun running this business than anything else I've done in my career up until this point. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a blast. It's growing quickly. Um, we're over 20 employees now and wow. um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really cool experience. That's one thing too, that we should hit on real quick is people talk about, you know, I want to start a business. I don't know what to do. I don't have any money. Like just all of these different reasons why they can't get into business. You chose to go the, to have investors in this business as well. So using other people that have the capital resources, what has that experience been like for you? And, and why did you choose to go that route again? been good man i mean i talk about this a lot on podcasts that i do that are like more like fundraising focused but it's like you know you you really want to bring in smart money and not dumb money um you know bringing in people that can provide some value to the business that have um some sort of industry or domain expertise um is invaluable especially in the beginning phases right like we have one investor named cody sanchez who's kind of known for like boring businesses mm-hmm. um, and she's been amazing she's been promoting the heck out of shop genie and um, helping us get new customers, et cetera. And so it's been really, really cool to kind of see how uh, investors that know your industry and they know how to help and they know how to be a value add. It's been really cool to see how they're able to 
actually, you know, provide that help. And so um, I, I like to raise from people who are strategic, who are actually going to be able to, to push the business forward and um, provide advice and, and, and feedback. Um, so that's kind of what I look for in an investor. I think it's a big hack because if they've, if it is smart money, like you said, they've had any sort of success, then they can help you jump over some of the hurdles they may have initially had. Yeah, exactly. Now it's invaluable. And that goes for mentorship too. Like even if you're, if you're starting a business and you're not going to raise money for it, um, just getting an investor to, to pour into you and, um, you know, to tell you some of the pitfalls to avoid, um, can be invaluable in the early days of, of starting a new business. 100%. Well, Kieran, where can people find you online if they want to connect, learn more about Shop Genie, or just keep up with you in general? Yeah, man. I mean, to be honest, I'm really not super active on social lately. I, I, um, I haven't really been uh, doing that much, but I mean, my YouTube channel's got some some gems on there. That I'm sure you'll find some value from. Uh, it's just Kieran O'Brien, my name, and then same as uh, my my Instagram is Kieran O'Brien as well. Maybe I'll maybe I'll come back and start posting more on social one of these days. But for now, I'm uh, I'm just keeping a low profile, uh, running my business, and maybe training for an Ironman. So, dude, you're definitely training for an Ironman. <laughs> you, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob O'Connor. The podcast is at Real Period Conversations. Karen, my final question for you, looking back at this really cool journey you've been on, what advice would you offer to your 22-year-old self? My 22-year-old self thought I was invincible. I thought I was, um, I thought I was like, you know, doing, I thought I was doing everything right. And I thought I was doing everything, um, you know, to its fullest potential. And I couldn't have been more wrong. I think, you know, when you, when you have a little bit of success, especially at a young age, it can, it can go to your head. Absolutely. Um, and I, in hindsight, I, I recognize that. And I would tell my 22-year-old self, slow down, audit what you're doing, and figure out how to push yourself even more than you're already pushing yourself um, and sign up for an endurance race. That's, that would be my advice. Thanks for coming on, Kieran. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jacob.